0: Here they come!
1: And Welcome to episode 131 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Andrew Glazebrook to discuss the effects of At the Earth's Core.
0: Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants.
1: So, was it the video shop, the TV, the cinema, or what that got you to
0: the Earth's core then, Andrew? Right, well this is a good story this because it must have been 1977 we had this at my junior school as a Christmas movie Um, and we all got taken to the main hall, all sat down on this parquet floor cross-legged in our short trousers Um, and it must have been a 16mm projection we watched this on. but I do remember it being a Christmas movie. And when I was watching this, because I watched it last night um, on the DVD, and uh, my missus, who's a couple of years younger than me, she had it as their Christmas movie at a different school as well, uh, around about the same sort of time. So it must have been a like, standard thing of somebody going around um, with a projector. Um, and all I can think of, it must have been 16mm. It can't have been Super 8. It must have been 16 no and it definitely um, wasn't 35. And it definitely wasn't 35. Yeah, but um you know, I just you know, I suppose it's the ideal length. It's an hour and a half, so it's not too long for kids to sort of sit. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of like what happened with it, but um uh, yeah, that's kinda But can, I... but can you, uh, you you and your
1: wife remember how you reacted to it because I know that when I showed this to our children, they freaked out over the 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 uh the creatures in this they they were deeply unsettled and scared by them
0: yeah all my wife seems to remember is like she remembers kind of like the strange sort of hue to it you know that kind of like purple mm. hue of the light um I remember quite a lot about it actually. I remember, you know, the uh, the the Peter Cushing character obviously being really funny and you know, the bit when, you know, you can't mesmerise me and his eyes go cross eyed and the, mm. the shoe shoe with his uh, umbrella against the uh, the big bird thing. So a lot of it really sort of seemed to stick in my mind. I think it was like probably one of them first film experiences that kind of, you know, left an impact on me in a way. Mm. Um, yeah, when, well, when, when did you... Because obviously you're older than me, so what was your situation with it? I
1: saw it at the cinema. Um, right. Yeah, you know, I've just been saying to Ian recently, you know, um, the, the, the mid-70s, I'm sure you'll agree, is it, really weird because... When you're a, a, an early teen into science fiction, and you're getting, you know, uh, your fix of, you know, exciting science fiction on the TV and the likes of like Space nineteen ninety nine and and uh, to some degree Tomorrow People and Doctor Who, yeah, you're, you're, you're really craving that on the big screen. But you know, until Star Wars came along, well, Jaws first, then Star Wars, you didn't have blockbuster fantasy action blockbusters did you so i i I remember going to see it and wanting to like it yeah but coming away just a bit underwhelmed by it and i think it was the effects that did it um it certainly wasn't caroline munro um as as you have said before she's the one who puts the core into at the earth's core yeah cool (laughs) cool I bet uh, I bet your core quotient was quite uh, large last night, was it not? <laughs> core, cool. yeah. Um, th- but you one- were too young for that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'll have been uh, either nine or ten. I no, think. that's a bit too young. Yeah, but the one thing I was thinking of when I was watching this last night is like when you think about when this was getting made, uh, probably what like late seventies, like so, so late seventy-five, early seventy-six. Mm you're thinking, this is the same time that Peter Cushing will have been making Star Wars. And it, and it's just on that kind of point, isn't it, of like being kind of in the old realm before that Star Wars of 77. Hmm. Um, and what happens then after 77? And you think, had this been released in probably like 78 to 79, would it have had the same probably impact? Because I think it was... Quite popular, I think. From, from
1: yeah, yeah, and No, no, it was popular. But that's interesting because you know, with it's very interesting with with Peter Cushing because you know, you know, this is a period, a very dark period of his life because it it's not that long since his wife had died. Yeah. Um, and you know, he is absolutely clearly, clearly channeling his Doctor Who that he did. Mm, yeah. Um, a decade before. I mean, this is Doctor Who at the Earth's core. But it's also interesting, as you say, at almost exactly the same time. I don't know if he went immediately from at the Earth's Core onto Star Wars, but it's a completely different character and persona. If anything, it's more how he was in like the Ghoul and films yeah. that he was making just before at the Earth's Core, where he, I think, was channeling that darkness, this very somber, stern persona. But mm-hmm. he, but but that because he's a brilliant actor, he can drop that and become the playful, you know charming, quirky character that we have here with uh, Professor Perry.
0: Yeah, it was, um, I I can never remember, was was Star Wars Elstree or Pinewood? That was Elstree, wasn't it? That was Elstree, and this is Pinewood. Yeah, this is Pinewood, yeah. Um, I was just thinking, you know, was it like the Sim uh, studio? But uh, yeah, you're right, um, this was Pinewood. Um, You know, it's interesting, I say, you know, from that aspect of just being on that kind of crux of that, Change of cinema you know, and how things did change um, you know in terms of science fiction, all because of that one Star Wars you know movie, mm. really, and I think um, they
1: were trying it weren't they? They were trying to come up with successful science fiction. We were coming out of the the, 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 the mean, meaningful, thoughtful science fiction films and trying mm. to get into the action i mean logan 's run same year as this, yeah was similar.
0: Can- You can also see, though, probably why, like, the British crew of Star Wars were seeing, like, a guy dressed up in a giant kind of monkey suit and thinking, you know, this is just another one of those films. You know, they they wouldn't have understood that there was going to be all of these marvellous spaceships and optical effects and stuff added later on in America. Um, You know, they were just filming the live action of, uh, you know, guys running around in white armour and stuff, Um, and... Say to them, you know this was probably just we're filming another at the earth's core, or we're filming mm. another you know a uh, similar movie, so you can see why the British crew probably like fairly non phased by star Wars at the time yeah, um, yeah. And, and and you know how they apparently had no like faith in what they were filming because it was just another job to them wasn't it yeah, yeah, uh, um, very similar to this
1: yeah, have you
0: read the book uh a long time ago, and i I did start to reread it probably about a year back, and um I only got maybe you know a few pages in but one thing that obviously stands out in the beginning of the book is the fact that the mole vehicle it's um it's control rooms on like a gimbal so as the sort of mole points downwards they stay kind of uh vert- like you know horizontal or whatever yes. you know um yeah so it, it's it, it's a little bit more thought out in terms of like how the mole descends and so it could literally go straight down and they would stay flat yes um, and then they would rotate. So that's quite a nice thought-out thing, considering how old the book is.
1: Yeah, and and you know, for its all its faults, this film it is very very faithful to the book, isn't it? Um, yeah, oh yeah. yeah. If, from
0: what I remember, um, and when I was reading the book back, I say I got maybe it's about sort of twenty-five, thirty pages in, and a lot of it was very similar. And it's it's very much like the film as well. It's right in from the beginning, straight into the story. Mm-hmm. It's just a pulp pulp novel. Uh, there's a lot of Rice Burroughs stuff was. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's no sort of beating about the bush in terms of, like, you know, there's no dragged out stuff. It's just you're straight into the action, straight into the story.
1: Yeah. The only difference there really is is the ending, because in the book, um, you know, uh, old Caroline was going to go back with them, but uh, the sly one has substituted her for one of the, my hers. And right. it's not until they get back up onto the surface they realise that a switch has been done, and that's when they go back and it's left open-ended about what the next adventure was going to be. Um, So a bit different from how it ends
0: in the film. Yeah, because there was about, what, half a dozen Earth's core stories, Pellucida stories. Yeah, and then you had
1: the Tarzan at the Earth's
0: core as well, didn't you? Yeah. Now, I've never read any of the other ones, so I don't know how they go back and, you know, things like that. Uh, But... uh, and I obviously couldn't remember the, uh, until you said then, I couldn't remember the ending of the book. It's such a long time ago since I've read it. You know, probably, mm. ma- probably, uh, it might be in one of those books I read in the, um, in secondary school from the library. I think we had like quite a decent sci fi section. I remember reading Hitchhiker's Guide Ga- to the Galaxy and stuff. Right from my school library in the uh, secondary school. So it's probably one that I got from there. And mm. I think it did have the, the movie on the cover as well. It was a, a, an adaptation one, you know. Oh, a tie-in then. Yeah, right. like a tie-in. I don't know if there was any photographs inside, but it certainly adds, um, you know, Carolyn Monroe and McClure on the front, I think.
1: Do you think every time you mention that name, we should have uh, a sound clip of uh, uh, Leslie Phillips doing the ding-dong? Probably, yeah. Might get a bit
0: tedious, though.
1: Yeah, no, no, no. So that's there's a bit quite quite a bit of work for me. That, um, but this, this film owes its existence to well, basically Doug McClure and yeah. um, and the Land That Time Forgot because it was the success of Land That Time Forgot that actually um, got Amicus to uh, do this one, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and the other thing is, I was just on the other night when I was doing some Instagram posts. I was posting about the um, the Kevin Connor film, the one he did with Peter Cushing as the antique guy, um, which was uh, what was it called? Oh, again, where is it? It's in my thing. It, it,
1: is it Vault of Horror? Uh, not, the, no, not the vault. No. Uh, oh, where
0: are we? Oh no, Beyond the Grave. Beyond the Grave. Yeah, and um, and that was the first film he directed, Connor, um, and it the the anecdote i've put from the trivia is kind of uh, somebody said to him editors do make good directors so that's what, like the first job he was given as a director right uh, because he would never directed before up to that point so you know that was kind of like set the ball rolling of his directing career um and he did have like a quite a decent run of movies you know when you think about it um you know, up until a point of... Because um, he he obviously did the, uh, the, the, um, the Land That Time Forgot and The People mm-hmm. That Time Forgot, and then he did this, and then he did The Arabian Adventure following this, which was, again, like Christopher Lee and mm-hmm. uh, Oliver Tobias. Um, so he, he had, like, a, a little sort of run in the early 70s to sort of late 70s of kind of fantasy and horror and stuff, and uh, his career then, just after that, I think he just went to sort of more, just regular i think he did some space 1999 episodes as well oh, did he? He, yeah he's he's All definitely right. he's definitely directed one because when i was looking back through my hashtags on my instagram one of them popped up um that he directed so he, he'd done some tv but then as far as i know he's just kind of he shifted to america and then he just ended up doing a lot of tv movies and i think he's still directing um he was on Instagram at one point. Yeah, uh,
1: didn't he follow you or something? Or, yeah, or, yeah, I did or or have a little, bit, a little bit of
0: correspondence with him, but he, he, he's not posted in a long time, you know, probably three or four years now. Right. Um, but, yeah, he, he did sort of like some of the posts I'd put up of his um, at the Earth's car and stuff, yeah. Okay,
1: all right. Mm. Um, before we get into it, uh, what are your thoughts on Doug McClure?
0: I think he's okay. He, he, he seems... Fine in this, you know. He's he's just one of those kind of standard leading men in a way from this type of movie. um You know, he's he's not particularly a a, a bad actor or a great actor. He's just there, and he's yeah. He
1: does that's his kind job. Of how, how I see him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he's just yeah. He's just there. I, 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 he I, he hasn't really got screen presence. I don't think. I don't think he was ever a heartthrob, was he? No,
0: no. It's not As far as I know, I. I I don't even know how old he would be in this movie. Um, I've, I've got no kind of grasp on his age. Um,
1: oh, but you can't say that. I mean, the 70s, if you look at, like, John Thor in The Sweeney, you know, he's considerably younger than we are now, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. I yeah. mean, it,
0: it'd be interesting to see how old Peter Cushing was even in this, because obviously he's playing a much older character, but... Um... I know I'm about
1: three years away from the age he was when he did this. Right. <laughs> that okay. is worrying. That is worrying, and I'm only about three years away from William Hartnell's age when he started doing Doctor Who, you know? Oh, do you, mate? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh, sometimes I depress myself. All right, let, let, let's get going on it before I depress myself even more, all right? So we're, we're talking about the effects of the whole film, not just one sequence today, but the whole yeah. film. And we do, we start off with effects, because we've got this stock footage of a steel mill um, mm-hmm. over the opening credits, which then changes to a shot of, there's Peter Cushing, overseeing the completion of his iron mole. It's called an yeah. iron mole. Via rear projection, um, and every time I watch this, it's like, bloody hell, that is the Thunderbird's mole, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah. On on its frame and everything, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's wheeled out. Um, it's wheeled out by a, a little train. And the first time we see this little train, that's not too good because the camera's gone in too close. Yeah. You can see it's that's a very small train and you've got smoke billowing past, which blows the scale immediately, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, and then we've got like a handful of shots of him talking in front of it. And again, you've got a, a little bit of focus problem uh, yeah. between him and then the background and the train. But uh, the sending
1: off scene, I think, is really, really good. When you've got old Doug there, you know, with this, uh, this group there, they're celebrating. And it's obvious they're set up on a soundstage with a cinema screen directly behind them, showing the footage of the Iron Mole all getting ready to go through this Welsh hill. And that looks terrific. I think that's been done really, really well
0: yeah it's a nice shot but one thing again i noticed last night when i was watching it is like it is the entire movie is a studio band movie there's nothing outside whatsoever um you know there's no attempt to sort of show the um the iron mole kind of you know in a welsh valley uh, with people riding up on a horse and cart or anything to actually get to it it said it's this one sort of shot of the miniature in the background the people celebrating in the foreground like they're They are literally on a a little bit of grass with some trees, (laughs) Um, you know, um, having a little bit of a party and a drink, and there it is in the background. But, yeah, there's no attempt to sort of give any scale in terms of where it's located
1: and things like that. No, it's all through the script that we learn these things, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and like I said, it, it is literally... The opening credits is building them all, and now we're straight into the movie. There's no kind of shenanigans about financing it or anything like that which you might get in the movie these days and you know uh, problems it's just it's built and we're getting in it and we're off
1: yeah well even films before it because at least with you know journey to the centre of the earth you know you had the whole setting up of it before they descended here they're often running what within the first five minutes they're, oh, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, they're on their way um, yeah. but yeah Doug's there he's called David and he's the financier of this project Mm-hmm. Um, um, Abner Perry, played by Peter Cushing. Um, um, yeah, he's financing this iron mole, and the test is to go right through the hill and out the other side. In fact, one of the newspaper men's has a bet, doesn't he? Oh, I'll get to the other side of the hill before you.
0: Yeah, it it did always kind of puzzle me. Probably when I wasn't not when I was a kid, but and I noticed it again last night was the the. It's not like the sort of like going to go through like a tunnel they're not, they're not going through flat as in they're just going to go straight through the hill they're actually pointing down so you're yes. thinking how are they going to go through the hill if they're pointing down you know yes. unless unless the hill is considerably low on the other side <laughs> it um, could be they're very very high up yes yeah it's 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 not like they're using this as kind of like a, an ingenious way to make like railway tunnels so we can drill through a mountain in an afternoon and then you can lay your tracks um no. in fact that I don't know if an explanation's even, even given as to what this device could be useful for.
1: No, no, it's just something that Perry's come up with. But yeah. what you say there, I mean, you know, when they're underway, you, you know, you've got the graphic. And they are, yeah, they're going straight down. They're not going horizontally through a hill
0: yeah that, um, that, that, that would be a logical thing to do you know like you, you start on one side you go through and then you can say right you can lay your train tracks and now you can run your railway through yeah and it took it took a fraction of the time it would have took all of those navvies to build it
1: yes <laughs> i do like the interior you mentioned the interior it's very uh first men in the moon um interior it's what we now call steampunk but <laughs> that term didn't exist back then
0: yeah this, this is kind of like um the the sort of early versions of that and i, I and I think I've mentioned this before when we were talking about June that uh, the inside of the ornithopters kind of always reminded me of uh, this, you know, kind of vibe because that had a semi steampunk feel to it—the kind of the the padded sections and the yep. uh, the brass instrumentation and stuff. So yeah, it's it's got a really nice look to it. No, no,
1: no, 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 it is really nice. And I do like the Iron Mole, the design of the Iron Mole, even though it is cribbing from the Thunderbirds Mole, which I prefer. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's yellow, so of course I'll, I'm going to like that. But, yeah, I mean, when they, they start moving, that is an exact co- copy of Thunderbirds.
0: Yeah. You know, well, we've, we've got a connection now, though, haven't we, with Thunderbirds? hmm Ian Wingrove. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So he he's the effects guy he was, is the main credit so you know he's probably brought a lot of that idea over with him.
1: I mean it is logical what what's happening, you know, you've got the sent you know, the the front drill turning, you've got these things which they call in here, what do they call them? crawler, the crawler banks. banks. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crawler banks moving and the firing of the rocket engine is exactly what uh he did on um Thunderbirds. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But they go too fast, they go too deep. They they mm. they pass out. Yeah. Um. It's freezing cold. I don't know what that's all about. Um. Mm. And then warms up again as they go through water. And finally, they come to the stop. Uh, a stop. And this is the thing that your wife remembers. This oddly lit jungle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When the door first opens, they've kind of there's a purple light, but they've put sort of like an optical effect on over the top, as to meant to be like a almost like a shaft of light coming in. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. This purple hue. Yeah, this jungle is very um,
1: 1970s Doctor Who, you know. Yeah, You've got yeah. Planet of the Daleks or some something like that. A Roger Murray Leach design, almost, you know. Um, but it's all right. Uh, it's yeah.
0: memorable. I mean, your wife remembers it. Um, yeah, yeah, that's uh, the thing. It's like if these things stick in your memory for such a long time, then obviously it did something right, didn't it, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I like Perry in this, this whole, um, you know, this can't be the other side of the hill. <laughs> yeah. And and this cannot be the Rhonda Valley, you know? Um, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, no, he is good. He, he is funny. Everything's fine. But our, our next special effect waddles on, and it's this bird dinosaur thing.
0: Yeah, which which he um, he sort of tries to scare off, obviously, with his umbrella at one point, which I thought.
1: Yeah, he, he's predating what Sean Connery does with the seagulls in Indiana Jones and oh, the Last yeah, Crusade. yeah, yeah, The you know? shoe, shoe, yeah. The whole shoe, shoe thing, but oh, the yeah, well, basically it's a man in a suit, isn't it, with this unconvincing parrot head. Yeah. Um, screeching, unconvincingly as
0: well. Um, I, I think. I probably think as a kid, I probably did differentiate between the fact that this wasn't what I'd seen in a Sinbad movie. Mm. You know, I was probably, you know, thinking it's good, but it's not Sinbad. You know, I I, I knew it was a man in a suit as a nine-year-old. That, um, I don't
1: know what it is about it. I mean, you know, and I don't think our, our, our children would have been able to uh, explain it, but they were more scared and unsettled by this. And by this time, they had already seen Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. They'd seen Jason and the Argonauts, and they weren't scared by mm-hmm. a stop motion creation, but they are scared by a man in a rubber suit with an unconvincing parrot head.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of nice sort of reprojection shots of it, mm. kind of coming through the trees where they're in the foreground, and besides, obviously a little bit of the fact that the, the image behind them is a little bit blurry or a little bit faded, it's not badly done. You know, it's 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 an okay shot of it um, coming through the trees, and I suppose it's it's the fact that there's all this foliage in the foreground that like hides the sort of the reprojection screen, but you know, there's some okay shots of this creature. In terms there's, of its yeah, there's worse to
1: come though, isn't there? There mm. is worse. Yeah. Well, I must yeah. say, there is worse to come because they're saved by these uh, men in bad masks. Yeah, and the
0: little with the weird voices.
1: Yeah, the, the the foley work on this, I don't think is very good. I mean, not for one second do you believe that that is an actual language that that it, they are actually talking. Mm. Yeah, and they're taken to this whole bunch of human slaves. Yeah. Including uh, old Caroline there Who takes a shine to David um, And she and everybody else It's never explained how come they all speak English
0: Yeah Yeah that's another sort of main point isn't it
1: Yeah and it's at that point That's where she spills the beans On just what is going on here
0: We are in a cave you understand A gigantic cave And the sky is the underside of the earth's crust the magma Probably something like 20 miles above us
1: Oh. There you <laughs> conserve your energy, dear boy. We're both going to need it.
0: That was my father's watch. Unpleasant character. Oh,
1: very. Dear. Who are they? Sagoths. Soldiers of the Mehs.
0: Oh, and, and pardon me. What are Mayhars?
1: Mayhaz rule Pellucida.
0: and Sagoths take
1: us to be slaves in their city. Yeah. <clears throat> um, the guys in the mask are Sagoths. Yeah. Um, I didn't realise until I was looking into it that um, Sagoth, of course, that's an H.P. Lovecraft uh, race. Right. And, and apparently H.P. Lovecraft drew, drew inspiration from At the Earth's Core. Um, when he was writing in the mountains of madness, and that 's why oh, okay. Sagoths are in there, and they do the bidding of the Mayhars, mm-hmm. who who rule I can never say it. Pel- pe- Pelucidar. 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 yeah i I never say it enough to actually get used to saying it Pelucidar. yeah pelucida yeah so yeah this 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 parrot dinosaur that mm-hmm. has attacked them right is a bit duff but we have a jaw-dropping effect next as the man at the head of the chain <laughs> yeah. turns into a dummy somehow and is eaten by a big... What is that? What is that meant to be?
0: Uh, it's kind of like a weird sort of dinosaur with horns on the front, isn't it? But uh, it's, it's the man who's the dummy. He looks like he's actually made from kind of like... Uh, he's, he's like a cloth dummy. He, it is. It's not even an action man, is it? No, no. He, he looks like he's made from like, uh, bits of material.
1: <laughs> well, the way his arms and legs are bending backwards like that. Yeah. Oh, oh, good Lord. It's, like,
0: it's Michael Benton's potty time. Also. It
1: is. I mean, you watch it and it's like this isn't a children's TV show. This is a, uh, well, relatively large budget movie <laughs> that people mm. are supposed to watch on a big screen. And 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 the creatures, whatever the heck they are, they're like rhino things aren't they yeah they, they 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 move just like the old Chewitz monster yeah, yeah. you know
0: mm. there's, there's there's a weirdness to these creatures because in one respect kind of you can see they've sort of tried to put a lot of work into them but in another respect it's almost like they've got halfway down the creature and thought i, I can't be asked so see, th- they're a little bit kind of unfinished at times uh, almost but um
1: See, we love the kaiju movies, don't we? Of the sixties, yeah, yeah. and and some of the effects in there are, you know, no better than what we're seeing here. And but I don't understand. Maybe it's a design thing. That the, the design of these is really poor. These rhino, hairy, beast things.
0: I don't, who who even designed these? I'm not even too sure because there, I don't think there's any kind of credit for creature design. I think. Oh, oh, what a
1: surprise!
0: <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think like I I'm pretty much sure Wingrove is the only guy who's mentioned in terms of effects. He's I've just got like, I've
1: got Ian Wingrove and John Gant are, are the only two right. that will actually put their hands up and say, yeah, we had something to do with it. You see,
0: I get the feeling Wingrove's more kind of doing the miniatures and the pyrotechnics and the physical stuff in terms of the, um, you know, the explosions and things uh, and, um, you know, the, the the curtain of lava and that we see later on in the movie. Yeah. Um, but, I don't, I, uh, I, yeah. Yeah, I but mean, you wouldn't put your name to this, would you?
1: You wouldn't put mm, your name to that dummy. You wouldn't put that on your CV. Yeah, I made the dummy in at the Earth's core.
0: Yeah, but... Who could it have been? Roger Dickens, maybe, but he—he he was so ashamed no. he didn't want to put his name on there, or what? No,
1: yeah. no, no, no. Roger Dickens above that. Good lord! Because it is—it's just like a little dolly, isn't it? A little cloth dolly. Yeah. No, maybe they, tra- maybe they, like, that they made it like that, and they thought it was going to be filmed at night. I'm trying. I'm trying to find justification for it now. You know, um, yeah. and maybe they thought it wouldn't be seen so quite so brightly lit. I don't know.
0: But the actual shot of them, sort of kind of all huddled up against the wall and the actual two dinosaurs on the, um, again, rear screen or whatever, fighting is not a bad compos- like composed shot.
1: What, when you've got the humans at the bottom?
0: Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's you know, it, the the colour grading and all, everything sort of seems to match. It's just they're not very good monsters that are fighting. It looks like they're having a boxing match. Yeah, but I'm quite surprised how bloody it gets as well. Because, yeah. you know, one of them is getting God, isn't he, by the horn and stuff, and there's actual blood. Um, this is why I'm surprised
1: you and your wife saw this in junior school.
0: Yeah. Uh, what, will it have been an A?
1: Yeah, I think, it, I think it would have been an A. It wouldn't have been a U. No. But, you um, know, it could be one of these films which has now got a higher classification than when it first came out, you know. Yeah. Well, the next effect we get is when we see the Myhars in all their glory. Um, yeah. And from a distance, they're not too bad. But then you go in, and when you can actually see the, the mould line down the centre of its face... Yeah. ...where they actually haven't bothered to disguise that, that, that that's a bit clunky. But I, I think it's the blinking eyelids um, that isn't too good.
0: I, I'd probably say, of all of the monsters in it, though, it's the most memorable. Because I think as a kid, um, especially... The, obviously, the, the close-up of the eye, the glowing of the eye, the blinking of the eye and the noise associated with it and the sound effects of my eyes, I think they are a memorable monster um, because they're in it quite a lot, aren't they? You know, there's, there's quite yeah. a lot of scenes with them. So I think out of all of them, if someone said, you know, what's, what can you remember? It would be the my Mar-Ha, eyes. They're all uh,
1: right when they're on their pedestals. It's not until later when they're supposedly flying. Yeah. That's when <laughs>
0: now, things now go we, downhill a bit. Perry describes these as being like a giant version of a Ramphorhynchus. So last night while I was watching it, I paused it and Googled it on my phone and they look nothing at all like what a Ramphorhynchus <laughs> look like. They've got quite long kind of beaks, Ramphorhynchus, and they've got a very extended tail and very broad wings. And the, he, he does mention about the size of them. He says they're like, about
1: the size of a crow or something. Yeah, well,
0: he? he's, he's about right with the size, but in terms of the actual physicality, these just look more like a big parrot again. Um, really than than what a Ramphorincas apparently does look like so yeah, Google one later on and uh, you'll see. Well if Um, that's
1: the case then maybe those hairy beasts outside were actually meant to be proper authentic dinosaurs, maybe there's a line saying oh my goodness it's a T-Rex but (laughs) we just get this hairy rhino instead.
0: Yeah I don't know whether there's any explanation in the book or uh, ever later on in any of the other books and maybe it's like these were prehistoric men who just ended up Underground, somehow, with you know the, the creatures that were once on the planet you know, who are now down in caves. I don't know, because uh, I don't know. I they, don't they're know. not, they're not quite at the Earth's core either. The 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 vehicle sort of appears to go down, but then it starts going back up, and it's almost like on the outer crust. Of, they're
1: in a cave. Perry says like the, they're in a cave. Doesn't yes, we? like
0: it's it's there's the core, there's the central core, then there's like an inner core, and then the crust. And he says. That the the Earth's crust is about twenty miles above them, he says. Yes. Um, so yeah, they're in like a giant cave. But again, the weird thing about this movie is, besides obviously the shot of the 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 village, uh, sorry, the city where the Mahars are, um, where like the journey centre of the Earth has that like nice map painting where you see the inside like, the entire size of the cave or oh, beautiful get... lake. You yeah, see the, the lake, the, don't you? The, there's no sort of real establishing shots in this movie. It's quite a sort of small scale movie in terms of its scope. Mm. Um, There's the jungle, there's the, uh, the city, and that's kind of it. Um, you know, we, we don't get any idea of like how big this cave might possibly be, you know, is it, is it vast as in as the, is the tens of thousands of people in this cave or is it just this one little, these couple of little tribes just kicking about?
1: No, you get a little map painting at the end where you see more hills, don't you? But you no, you don't n- never get a sense of just how big this
0: area is. Yeah, that's right. When they, uh, they eventually destroy the city, you can sort of see more mountains in the distance, can't you? But uh, you, you know, know, is is that yeah? How how big is it? Mm. Mm. I'll
1: tell you an effect I do like. The next effect is after you know David has escaped, he gets into a tussle and and you got a fight with this like Audrey II lost continent dragon's domain plant thing yeah that yeah. lights up inside that's all right i don't mind i don't mind that that's quite good
0: there's kind of two of them in there almost isn't there there's no, not there are the... two yeah yeah there's the, 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 the kind of almost like a cross between like you say yeah the dragon's domain a sarlacc audrey Two, all of those things um thrown in. it's kind of got teeth it's got a glowing eye in the middle almost but yeah uh...
1: that's what made me think of dragon's domain
0: but yeah, when, when you kind of like, again, look at that era of filmmaking, you're thinking the tentacles, you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute, a year later, we've got the Diagnoga in Star yeah, Wars. You, right. know, it's, you know, it does make you wonder whether some of these like things like the Diagnoga were just like, left, I don't know whether there's any similarity, but is it a leftover tentacle off that thing, <laughs> redressed?
1: No, I don't. Hey, it's a different studio. I, d- I doubt that very much. You but know? The, the, <laughs> there was a lot of
0: similar things. Then we had the, what, a few years after that, Flash Gordon, you've got like a creature that drags yeah. them into the ground. So. There was lots of these little similarities of creatures and swamps and mm.
1: yeah yeah. And um, so I always forget about that plant thing, and I also forget. I mean, we find out that the the guy he had the tussle with is Ra, played by Cy Grant. Yeah, and yeah. I always forget Cy Grant's in it. Old Lieutenant Green from Captain Scarlet
0: is in it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Hmm. He's, um, I suppose, in a way,
0: like besides obviously our main three characters, um, he's kind of like probably the next in the pecking order in a way in terms of main characters, isn't he? Really?
1: Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And he, you know, he the, takes he takes David to this ceremonial place where the Myhars uh, swoop down on some more buxom women. It's yeah. not just Caroline in it. I'd forgotten as well the quotient of uh, of those as
0: well. Yeah. Mm. It's kind of one of them things. Why are they just sacrificing the women though? Why, like, exactly. <laughs> You're obviously using them for food. So why is it just the the women? Yes. Um, yeah. That's another but, thing about this movie. I don't, is it are there any children in this movie? I don't think I've seen any. Yet. Oh
1: no, I don't think there's any. No, there's just men and no, women, no but no kids. Yeah. In the book, the Myhars are all female, so it could be that they're just jealous of these buxom women, and that's right. why they, that they're eating them rather than the men. Yeah. Hmm. Um, right. Next effect. David's taken to an arena, and he's got to stop another terrible monster (laughs) eating Ra. This is where, you know, your your, your jaw really starts hanging open. I mean, that's clearly a man on all fours, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Rear projected, and they've got some sort of full-size head recreation for interaction with Doug.
0: He's got to be uncomfortable in that suit.
1: Well, (laughs) not, not as uncomfortable as the next one. Because, you know what, as bad as that is, and it is bloody bad, as, as you say, we're, we're 76, right? Yeah. We're only a few years away from, from Luke fighting the rancor in, a mm. pit, in an arena, yeah. and yeah. we've
0: got this, you know? <laughs> um, but th- th- wh- this, this sequence, actually, as well, as soon as it came on, it reminded me, I mean, I know it's not one of my favourite movies by any stretch of imagination, but Attack of the Clones, you know, the arena in that. hmm uh, where they fight the creatures and the the the, the, the grilled the uh, portcullis thing comes up and the creatures come out and the tied to the posts. south remember thinking oh yeah attack the clones,
1: but the way it's done where the, the way it is clearly a man in a suit on all fours yeah. reminds me it, this is something that you would see in a Buster Crab Flash Gordon serial,
0: Yeah. You know? it's and, that and they, sort and... of. The, the the finish on this creature again is like the others, isn't it? It's just it's it's almost kind of like I don't know what it's even made out of. It it could almost be papier mâché in a way, but it's just that they, they don't hold up in any close-ups at all. Um, it, it's very... just
1: not convincing in the slightest. And it's all filmed in real time. They they, they haven't sped it up and then slowed it down or anything like yeah. that. Yeah,
0: there's no real anatomy to the creature. It's just kind of a, a thing. It's like a
1: pantomime creature or something, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, and
0: there was one shot actually. I had to stop and go back and literally single frame through because you see the inside of its mouth at one point, and there's a strange thing going on in there. And I thought, is that the performer I can see in there? Um, oh. you know, like, and anyway, I did single frame it, and it just seems to be some kind of weird reflection of. I don't know whether it's the light just shining off the tongue, but I actually thought it might have been the eye of the performer you could see <laughs> at the at the, at the back of the mouth. That would have been mouth. good. That would have been good. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it didn't appear to be, but... um, But you say
1: back of the mouth. I mean, the next one, as bad as that is, it gets worse, because the next thing is you've got this fire-breathing monster who's terrifying Caroline, who's come back. Yeah. And is, you know, that is even worse, because it just sort of sits there, and at the back of its throat, you can actually see the nozzle of the flamethrower.
0: Yeah, well... Well, I was quite impressed with, with that, actually. Not the actual creature, but the, the flame effect and the, closest, like the closeness of the flames to them. I was thinking that. Yes, um, they
1: are close to those flames, aren't they?
0: And uh, the sort of, yeah, the, 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 you can't knock the pyrotechnic side of it. It's actually really impressive. Um, and especially when that thing eventually blows up. Um, you know, You can see that's the kind of Thunderbird's influence from Wingrove in terms of the explosion.
1: And the way um, the camera is looking down the cliff as it falls down, that, that's how the vehicles were always filmed in Thunderbirds just before yes, they exploded, Yes, so, so the,
0: uh, the, the pyrotechnics and the physical effects side of stuff is often quite nicely done. Uh, I mean, I've
1: you, never seen an interview with Caroline Monroe where she talks about this film because, yeah, those flames get very close to her and the sly one who's with her and they're not wearing much, either of those, are they?
0: No, and then David uh, McClure, uh, Doug McClure jumps over and he... he you know, he he seems to actually sort of practically jump into the across the flames, hmm. um and he's yeah. I mean, you know, they, they do seem like very very close to them. I um, do
1: wonder the the the. I don't think, I don't that the, there can't be anybody in that fire breathing monster because no, it doesn't no. move. It just sits there, doesn't it? Yeah, um, it's I,
0: it's it's a wee, it it's just kind of jiggling around on the rock, really, isn't it? It doesn't really move anywhere. It doesn't move forward. It doesn't move back. It's just sat, and it's breathing fire, and that's kind of it. Because it's got a flamethrower in its
1: guts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I bet you that's made out of asbestos. This is the 70s. I bet you. Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. Um, and then the, the, the final battle. We've got the the, the battle with the swooping mayhars. As I say, when they're standing on their pedestals, I mean, they... they disturbed our children just standing there you mm, know, and, yeah. and, and, and with their light, eyes lighting up and blinking but that's blown completely when you see them just coming down on their wires I mean why have they got wings they don't flap well they sort of hold them out don't they are they, are yeah. they supposed to be gliding down or what
0: yeah sort of but like you said they don't flap they don't really hang well the wings anyway so they're a little bit kind of all over the place aren't they mm. Um and again, for some bizarre reason, when these creatures uh, end up crashing and burning, they literally explode.
1: They explode. <laughs> you can understand yeah. it with the fire breathing monster because maybe he's got some sort of like, you know, gas build up inside him that fuels the fu- flames, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, for... why,
0: why, why do they explode? I don't know. They just all do, don't they?
1: Yeah, and there's a lead one. There's a white one because it comes down to David versus the white one, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was going to mention about that. Yeah, there's kind of almost like an albino one, isn't it? Which he uh, yeah. assumes that the the leader. Um, it doesn't quite explain in the movie as well, like, you know, the, the connection between the kind of strange sort of pot, pot vessels that they're trying to destroy no. at the end and, like, how that affects the Mayhars. I mean, obviously the heat's mentioned, but it's on In the books, like- that's, a,
1: that, that's a reference to the books because they propagate through some sort of... Thing that's in those jars, I mean, that's, right. That, that but, but the script doesn't ever address it.
0: No, no, I thought that was quite an amusing effect as well because you've got this bit where they first arrive at the uh, the Meha uh, castle fortress thing, and uh, they have those kind of um, flames in the fire curtain. And of course, what happens is the the fire curtain sort of stops and the 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 ramp comes down, but it's literally still dripping. I, I assume it's maybe molten lava, but then within seconds, people are walking across yes. this Like, yeah. thing you think, <laughs> unless they've got asbestos shoes on, they're going to have some awfully lot of burnt feet in this place.
1: Yeah. I mean, so much of this doesn't <clears> make sense. Um, I don't know. I mean, is it, is it a children's film or is it a family film or what? Because, you know, if you've got any, give any sort of thought to any of this, none of yeah. it makes real sense, does it?
0: Yeah. I'd probably say it was more of a family film, really. Mm. Um, if I had to kind of categorise it somehow.
1: Yeah. Talking about things that don't make sense, the next thing, um, how these people managed to pull the iron mole out of the ground. Oh, yeah. yeah. Build all that scaffolding, get the iron mole up onto the scaffolding and, and have it down at a 45 degree angle. How did all that happen?
0: Yeah, because it's practically like a perfect recreation at the beginning of the movie, isn't it's it? It's exactly but, but, <laughs> but made out of wood. Yes, um, yeah. How long did this take? <laughs> and uh, um, did they have a, did they have a change of clothes as well in that? Because see, he has like a, a nice sort of suit on to return in as well. He has yeah, the, that,
1: that, that, that back in their um, yeah, posh clothes at the end. So yeah, they must some... have stored them away somewhere inside.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a nice gag, isn't it, about halfway through the movie where he says to uh, David, he says, "Have you ever thought about going to the moon?" Mm, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, yeah. it's it's almost like you know, like a nice little nod to I suppose that like, even like first men in the moon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah,
1: um, Caroline, it's a, it's a real surprise because usually the boy gets the girl. Yeah. But she doesn't want to go with him, um, mm. and and the film ends with the iron mole coming up on the White House
0: lawn. Yeah, you don't sort of see even kind of her looking uh, sad as the mole's disappearing into the thing. She kind of just seems to disappear off through the villages. Yeah. Um, and then you just see the that, and so there's no sort of shot of her looking after the mole, thinking, oh, maybe I should have gone or whatever. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a very quick movie, isn't it? I mean, it's an hour and a half. It yeah. it, 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 it There's certainly no fat on there in a way, you know. Um, Oh no, it cracks along. It really does, yeah um, and do you and know sorry, sorry no, I was just going to say I've mentioned this before, probably in previous talks. I think the the is with this sort of movie is you, it can it can tell a story in an hour and a half where you 've got a bit of setup, you 've got some characterization, you 've got some fights, you 've got some love interest and stuff like that, and do it in an hour and a half and still be a, a fun movie where I think a lot of modern movies seem to have forgotten even basic storytelling like that. Mm. You know, um, everything seems to be spectacle these days, and you think, I suppose this was spectacle for 1976 uh, of sorts, but, um, yeah, I think just modern movies just can't tell stories like like basically like this anymore. No,
1: no. Well, it might come back around again. It might come back mm. around again. Do you know, was there ever any mention that there might have been a, a sequel to this?
0: Not that I ever read. Because
1: um, he went on to do The People That Time Forgot after this, didn't he?
0: Yeah, because, uh, was it Land That Time Forgot? No, The People Pe- That Time Forgot.
1: No, no, the, the Land That Time Forgot, then this, then The People That Time Forgot, then Warlords of Atlantis. They're, they're like the
0: four, aren't they? What was the other Time Forgot movie then? That wasn't him, was it? not Isn't Isn't there something like the... There's Creatures That The World Forgot, but that's a Hammer film. Right, okay.
1: Yeah. But you haven't seen anywhere anything about that it was left open-ended and maybe he could have gone back and had another adventure?
0: No, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, um, it makes you wonder whether they optioned all of the books at the time, you know, because mm. um, I think there is a mention of the uh, family, isn't there, in the uh, the credits of the uh, Burroughs family, of yes. the estate. It does yes. mention the estate, so obviously, you know, this was something that they've... They were loud, them. yes, yeah. Wait, got in, to, in, in terms of other interpretations, obviously, I mean, Frazetta did some paintings, didn't he, uh, yeah. I think, in regards to this? Oh, um, some of
1: the paintings for the for the uh, novel are really, really good. I'll put them on Facebook. Um, there's mm-hmm. some terrific paintings. Um, it would have been nice to have seen a sequel. Um, what do you think about the idea of a remake and
0: do it? Um, this Sometimes. this is one of the few movies that I would actually say, yeah, I think could work. Because the reason I initially thought this was round about the time that Avatar came out and I seen Pandora. And I remember thinking, if mm-hmm. you put this sort of technology, but into something a little bit more better written, you know, because I didn't think Avatar was particularly well written. But I thought if you had this sort of the look of Avatar and that was Pellucidar and you were actually in a yeah. cave. Uh, with those weird plants and those weird creatures, yeah, it probably would work fine. And, um, you know, it's one of the few movies where I think, well, yeah, it, it's it, based on the source material, you know, but the Mayhards actually could be terrifying done right.
1: Yeah. The um, whole thing. The, the, the whole thing. The thing that I think about it is, um, you know, 76. What about if this film was made with Peter Cushing, Caroline Monroe, Doug McClure, and everything, but if Ray Harryhausen did the. Effects, yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine what that would have looked like?
0: Yeah, I think it would have been quite possibly like a landmark movie if, mm. uh, if that was the case, because I think, you know, the, the, that would have just upped the game of it massively. And the has uh, done in stop motion, flying down, yeah. probably would have looked amazing.
1: Yeah, say Ray Harryhausen did this instead of Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. So, yeah, you know? Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Mm.
1: All right, I've got some quotes from Kevin Connor here. All Go right. Um, he says, uh, to be honest, I sort of fell into the Edgar Rice Burroughs world, thanks to Milton Sabotsky and Max Ra- Rosenberg of Amicus. They yep. liked what I did with Beyond the Grave and offered me land that time forgot, and it went from there for several years. Just a great time and fun making those monsters on such low budgets. And then he says... Uh,
0: what, tried- was the bu- what was the budget for this? I, I've never seen it.
1: I think it's about £12.50. Um, <laughs> uh, We tried to get the beasts bigger so as to interact better with the actors, more one-on-one. We had a somewhat bigger budget thanks to the success of Land. The beasts were specially designed so that small stunt guys could work inside the suits in a crouched position and on all fours. Needless to say, it was very cramped and the stunt guys had to take frequent breathers. Some worked better than others, but we were experimenting and trying something different. And I do wonder if maybe, you know, if they had tried and experimented and did test footage and then went, no, nah, that's not really working, let's think of something else, maybe the final effects might have been a bit more convincing.
0: Yeah. I think the trouble with the Harryhausen side of stuff is um, it's one of them things is it, it was obviously time-consuming what he was doing, but I think he was quite pricey as well, wasn't he?
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. You know,
0: that. I mean, it's it's probably... Peanuts compared to what people get paid these days, but you know, probably back in 1976, to hire Harry Haweson to do the effects for this would have been like a lot of money mm. uh, on the budget. I mean, you know, I don't know whether that would have just been an extra 500,000 pounds or even 50,000 pounds, but uh, you know, it would have been one of those things where you know, it certainly would have upped the budget,
1: yeah. Um, special effects-wise, yeah, you mentioned Ian Wingrove and there was John Gantt as well. As you say, Ian Wingrove uh, had a past history working on the Jerry Anderson products. Um, <clears throat> he went on after uh, At The Score to work on the first Captain America film. He worked on League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Return Indeed. of the Jedi, uh, where he was um, special effects floor controller. And Dark Crystal, where he was mechanical effects supervisor.
0: Yeah, I was looking at Wingrove on Wiki, and there was a link to obviously his IMDb page, but there was also a link to her website. But when I clicked on the link to her website, it's dead now. The website's oh, gone. Right, right. Uh, so I don't know whether um, it's still out there in the the ether, because sometimes old websites are still out there. They're just stored on like a, another server. You can actually sort of there was. I can't remember how you do it, but there was a, a thing years ago where you could actually find all websites that are now defunct because they were stored. Oh, right. So, so it might still be out there somewhere if you know where to look, um, you know, on a, on another server. It um, would be
1: nice, wouldn't it, if Ian had actually, you know, worked on something to do with mechanical effects on the Arenas mm. uh, fight in this and also the same sort of thing on Return of the Jedi with the Rancor.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know if I've not seen that he's he's passed away. i mean As far as I know, he's still alive. Wingrove. Um, it right. doesn't say he's, um, uh, passed away on IMDb or anything. So, okay. but I'm just looking at the budget on Wiki, and it's got it's weird because it says budget 1.5 million or 400 thousand or 500 thousand, <laughs> and they're all in dollars. So it's almost like there's there's three budgets. But don't mm. one which one it is. Now there's there, there's actually citations next to these, I think. Like um now Brian Trenchard Smith at the Earth's Core Trillism Hell, he must be the person who says it costs one point five million. Right. And then the other one it says it's an interview with Kevin Connor from two thousand and twelve where he says it's five hundred thousand and these are all dollars, so it, I imagine Connor would probably know better. Mm. Yes. Yeah, you
1: would have thought, you would have thought, yeah. Um, John Gantt, I looked into John Gant um, since doing At the Earth's Core. He uh, worked on The Spy Who Loved Me, um, Life Force, a film we've got to do on this show, and yeah. uh, Dragon Slayer, another film that we've still got to do on this show. So yeah. uh, they went on to do some, uh, some classic stuff.
0: The film was apparently the 18th most, pro- most profitable British film of 76.
1: Really? Have, uh, yeah. have you got a list in there?
0: What, of that year? Yeah. Um, hang on, let me have a look. I
1: don't... I wonder where it sat alongside Logan's Run, because that was 76 as well, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it says British film, that, though. Uh, oh, That just, m- da- da- just must be British box office, I assume, yeah. All uh, oh, right. right. Okay. 89 minutes it's listed as. It's American International Pictures, British Line Films. Uh, it's also, obviously, American International and Amicus as well. And then Sony listed as well as distribution.
1: Okay. That's in the later years, though.
0: Yeah, my, my DVD is just a bog standard. There's just a trailer on there. I don't think there's any, yeah, any extras on any of them. We but were, w- we were w- comparing
1: w- and contrasting our, <coughs> our um, DVD boxes. That's how exciting our lives are at yeah, the moment. Yeah, no. uh, Yeah, you you and I have got completely different versions. But, uh, yeah, they're not exactly replied with, um, with extras and goodies, are they?
0: Yeah, there's some really nice uh poster artwork though, isn't there? You know, there's uh, the, like a fully painted poster with the mole and the mayhaws and the the Sagoths and stuff on there. I mean there's there's quite a few and then there's the there's the famous like one more where the at the Earth's core's written on the um, I think it's on the right hand side and the mole's coming out and then mm. there's the big bird creature and there's the two dinosaur creatures in the foreground and there's the castle in the background. I think it's in They shove it all in, don't they? Yeah. yeah, but that's a nice painted uh, poster. Yeah, that's like, a
1: nice Japanese ones as well.
0: Yeah, that's definitely like a British quad because I remember the the actual like layout of that lends itself to the kind mm. of you know British quad poster side, mm. uh, type one. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll put some of the images up
1: on uh, Facebook. Um, all right. Well, we've got to do ratings now. All right. And I thought we'd if, mm. rather than do what we normally do when we talk about the effects of one thing and and, and do it as one number. I thought yeah. we'd take them one by one. Yeah. All right. So uh, the iron mole launch. Uh,
0: I'd, probably, I'd probably give that. That's quite good. I'd probably give that like an eight. I think that's quite well done.
1: All right. I gave it a seven. So right. so that's seven and a half. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I th- I've got a feeling that's going to be about the best effect <clears throat> of the uh, of, of the show today. All right. Next, we've got the bird dinosaur uh, that that is that attempting. Right. To be he's probably away. more of a five and a half. Five and a half? Yeah. Five, five and a half? All right, I've got to do my maths now. Hang on. You'll <laughs> make me work. Hang on. Right, I gave it a three. Right. Right? Which which gives him 4.25. Right? Okay. Yeah, go on. Now, here we go. We've got the, the dummy eating monster that then fights the other monster. You see, they're
0: more of a three now. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, I gave it a two. <laughs> right. So, so that's a two and a half. What about Audrey two, though?
0: Uh, Yeah, we'll go for a six on that one.
1: Yeah, that's what I've put. Yeah. Okay, so that's a six. Right. We we might disagree on this, then. The Myhars.
0: Uh, I'm going to go for a seven on them. A seven? Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. Oh, two equals. Right, I gave them a four. Right. So that gives it a five and a half. Right. The arena monster. Oh, gee. Uh, (laughs) I'd
0: probably,
1: I'd probably go for like a, a three again. All right. I gave it a two. So that's another two and a half. Right. And then the last one, the fire breathing monster. No, he's a,
0: he's a, a one. That's exactly what
1: I've put. Because it, it, it's not convincing in the slightest. No, no, it's awful. I think, I think it it might've actually been worse if they did try animating it, you know,
0: yeah. yeah. In, in in fact the funny thing about that there's one shot I think where he's actually in the in the side of the frame and I think it is full size. I think it it's not even the model. I think what it, what you're seeing is what you're getting. Right. I think you know um he he's off on the um uh, right-hand side of the screen and near and, and he's in the same shot. And I don't think it's any kind of false perspective. I think he's, it just, it, it's physically, he's physically there. As big as the size of whatever the flamethrower is they've got inside it. Um, right. You know, with a bit more space around there. But yeah, that, you don't hmm. really get any idea of any scale of any people next to it. Probably no. the only thing that will give it any scale is the arrows that Peter Cushing fires into it. From the size of the arrows he fires from the bow.
1: Yeah, I forgot to mention that. That is totally convincing, isn't it? That yeah. Peter Cushing is actually firing arrows and it is actually going in. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, I've I've not seen anywhere what became of these uh, creatures apart from the Mayhers, and there is one photo which I'll put on Facebook. It's in a quite a bad state now because I, I think it's the prop gallery that have, mm. a, have got it. And all uh, right. Yeah, there's a lot of latex involved, and as you know, latex in the seventies it doesn't last very
0: long, does it? No, uh, and apparently uh, the sound effect was reused in American Wolf in London. And oh, it's what, for... what
1: what the Mayhair yeah. thing? Yeah yeah oh it's the it's the it's the nazi werewolf nazi cry.
0: werewolves apparently cry yeah, they, yeah. They use, it really loops the mehar as soon effect, as you suppose, said that
1: it? it's like yeah
0: i've heard that before in american work
1: yeah 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 it's 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 when they he opens the door and
0: yeah you know. and some somebody else on my instagram i think mentioned something else similar and i thought yeah that's worth checking out that's probably it as well you know um, that was another sort of nineteen seventies, eighties movie that has some weird screeching in. I can't remember what it was now, oh, but let's know I'll and I'll,
1: and I'll but, put it um, on Facebook.
0: Yeah, so, somebody definitely put that um, next to the bit of trivia I put about the American Wolf and said, "What about this?" And I thought, "Yeah, he's probably right there." Hmm. Uh, it does sound similar.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's at the uh, Earth's core. Done and out. Cool. <laughs> all right now, yeah, I've just thought as I as I was talking just back then. For your next assignment, should you wish to uh, take it, Andrew, well, I've, got, I've got nothing else
0: to be doing. Yes. Uh,
1: <laughs> what What do you reckon? What would you rather do, Dragon Slayer or Life Force for your next one?
0: Oh, Life Force.
1: Life Force. All right. I'll pencil you in for it, okay?
0: Mainly because I've got Life Force on uh, the Arrow release on um, Blu-ray, and I don't actually have Dragon Slayer at all. Right. Um, I had it on VHS, but I've never picked it up on DVD or Blu-ray. Cause I, I don't wonder p-
1: if it's on Disney+, Plus, because it is a Disney film, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be all censored now. It would Dis- be. Yeah, you know how Disney Plus are. Yeah. yeah. All right, Life Force it is
0: then, Okay. Yeah, the, the the one thing I do remember about Dragonslayer, um, on I think it's the DVD box I seen once in um, HMV was it looked like it was an animated film. The the poster artwork they'd give it, if you didn't know, you'd pick it up and think, oh, it's a cartoon. Ah, it was, right. It was very sort of painterly done, and it just it looked more like The Black Cauldron than uh, Dragonslayer. Um, I'll have to try and find that because it is quite amusing. Because I th- it makes you wonder how many parents have bought it for the kids, thinking it's thinking a, it's a cartoon. cartoon. Oh, can you imagine? And they go in and yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, Life Force, definitely. Or uh, you're missing a trick there. You mean Life Force. Force, yeah. <laughs> yeah there you
0: go.
1: <laughs> 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 all right, okay, yeah. to be continued, all right?
0: Yeah, okay. okay.
1: Thanks then, Andrew. All right,
0: bye. Cheers, bye bye.